Hey guys, what's up? It's Vince. Uh, first, let me please excuse any wind blowing, birds chirping, planes flying, cars driving, suits walking by on their lunch break, talking, uh, all of that in advance uh, while I record this podcast. Beautiful New Jersey day, and I am outside walking and recording. Um, so today I'm talking about how to create a culture of accountability in your business. And I've often thought about culture and, you know, in my early days of running a business, you know, culture, you think, what is culture? It's like, oh, we're going to go do cool stuff together and we're going to go throw hatchets and do that kind of crap. And, well, I don't think it's wrong to throw hatchets. Um, I do think there's something more important to culture um, than, than that stuff. So, and accountability is it. And the way I'm going to start this is with a story that has nothing to do with the gym space, but has everything to do with accountability. So, recently... Uh, there was an incident at my daughter's school and it was a really disappointing one and something happened on the playground where this kid was, you know, acting out, I guess, and he threw a ball and, uh, and he hit a girl in the face, knocked her glasses off and my daughter was sticking up for her friend and went over and she's in fourth grade. And went over and kicked the kid in the shin. And, you know, said, leave, leave us alone. And they went off playing. And then five minutes later, he came back and slapped her across the face. And you know, my daughter's a tough cookie. But it was like one of those situations where uh, she was almost like in shock that that had happened. And then it just kind of dispersed. And they both got in trouble. And, uh... The principal called my wife in, and the principal called the other family in, and everyone's like, you know, an uproar. What happened? And um, you know, I'm like the angry dad that you know his daughter gets slapped in the face, and that's something that you know really bothered me. And so I started getting very upset and angry about the situation. And um, I realized I calmed down, and I realized that hey. You know, this is a kid that made a mistake. And so hopefully his parents, you know, do the right thing and um, teach him uh, how to learn from this. And so I was fuming all day, but then I got a call that um, they were going to apologize and come over the house to apologize. And I, you know, immediately calmed down. I said, okay, this is the right thing to do. I'm really happy about this doing the right thing and just so happened that instead of coming over to our house and apologizing they um dropped him off he ran inside to our put a letter in our mailbox and uh put that letter in the mailbox and the letter was terrible but more on that later um and so you know when i heard that vanessa said they weren't coming over to apologize 
I was like, why not? It's like, well, they have a vacation that they're going on and um, they can't, uh, they need to get to bed. So they can't do it. And uh, I about kind of lost it. And I called the father because here's the thing. And we're talking about accountability here. I know stuff happens, right? But if stuff like that happens, what you want to do is you want to hold people accountable, right? And what was happening was this kid that did something very terrible, slapping a girl across the face, needed to learn from that and be held accountable to his actions. And instead of being held accountable and going over and doing the right thing and apologizing in person, they hid behind a vacation saying they could needed to go to bed early and they hid behind a weak letter and the weak part of the letter was it said i'm sorry i slapped you but please don't kick me and as my friend joe has she says anytime you use the word but in an apology it kind of just nullifies the actual apology so it wasn't even really apology and so at this point um, I'm very, very upset at how this is being handled because I realize that, again, stuff happens. But as long as it's handled the right way, I'm okay with it. And it wasn't. So some time goes by and they ask if they could come um, to the house when they got back from vacation to apologize. And I said, no. It'll be too late um, for that at that point, so don't even bother. And I got back, and you know, apparently the dad really wanted to talk to me, and he wanted to come meet me in person. And I uh, came over to my house, and we talked and had a good conversation. But I shared my disappointment and how it was handled. You know, really in him. I wasn't at this point wasn't disappointed in the kid. I was really just disappointed. And how the parents were not um, teaching this young man any consequences for this type of action. There was no accountability to it. And so we had a long conversation. And then my second uh, call, (laughs) this is a bad day for this guy. And my second call was to the principal who literally did nothing and actually intimidated my wife and daughter uh, in a meeting. So I had to give him a verbal wedgie the other day. Um, But he essentially intimidated my daughter because he didn't want to deal with the situation. And he basically was saying that, all right, you, you kicked him. He slapped you. We're done here. And my daughter was trying to tell the story. He just kept interrupting her and saying, nope, you kicked him. He slapped you. We're done here. And he kept, Vanessa said, he kept like wiping his hands in the air. Like, we're done. This is over. Eye for an eye. It's over. And he never gave it the time to really sit. So, so now we have the school not holding people accountable. So we have the parents not holding their kids accountable. We have the school not holding their future men accountable for slapping a girl across the face. And so I had to rough this teacher up pretty good or the principal up um, pretty good the other day. And um, I feel like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish because I wanted to hold him accountable. 
my goal in this was holding him accountable, right? Um, for not stepping up and doing the right thing in a situation like this and handling it the right way. And my job, well, also I felt like I had responsibility um, to hold the parents of the kid accountable for not doing their part um, in teaching their son that this is not the way that you behave. So here I am having to hold grown adults accountable to what their job is. The principal has a responsibility to the kids at the school to keep order and to keep things, you know, the way it should be. And the parents have a responsibility to their children to teach them right from wrong. And this wasn't being done. Um, so I had to pull out Papa Bear. I had to pull up Papa Bear and, and, and rough these people up a little bit. Um, because I now felt like, all right, now it's my job to teach these people because they aren't doing it. So it's my job to do it. And I wasn't going to do it in a passive way. I wasn't going to be able to do it. So, oh, it's, yeah, stuff happens and stuff. If I don't make a big deal, like th- these people are kind of like, they're whirling a little bit right now because of, because of me. And, um, you know, I'm not a, a small person to begin with. And, you know, if I throw some anger behind it, it it's not not a good sight for them, right? And I'm not trying to come off strong or tough or anything like that, but just real on the fact that I take this stuff really seriously. So this is what's going to create a good culture and a family, accountability. Um, I can tell you this, if my son slapped a girl across the face, he wouldn't be going on vacation. There would be no early bedtime. There would be no bedtime at all. Uh, and if I was a principal of a school and a boy slapped a girl across the face, that would be a big deal. And I'd be holding that kid accountable, the parents accountable, and I'd be probably doing things to help build awareness that boys shouldn't hit girls. And so this comes all comes back to culture, right? And so the culture of accountability, um, is what is going to give your gym a really, really good culture. Okay, so I kind of preface this with a story, but then I turn into what does it look like to have a culture of accountability? So here's what it looks like. The number one thing that you need in your gym to have a culture of accountability is clarity. Clarity. Um... One of my, uh, she, she works for Joe Hashi, but she also works for us uh, in the consulting business. Uh, Carly, she has a, a line that she uses called, clarity is kind. Clarity is kind. And so every person that you hire, whether a trainer, whether they're a front desk person, whether it's a marketing person, whether it's a general manager, every person that you hire has to have clarity on what success looks like. Because if you don't have clarity, it's very hard to hold people accountable. Right now, do we need to have clarity that you shouldn't slap a kid in the face? I hope not. But apparently we do. But in terms of your business, you need to have clarity on uh, to your team on what success looks like. Now, the f- most important part of all of this, and again, I apologize for all the noise and the wind and all that. So hopefully it's just coming through okay. 
Um, but, but the first part of clarity has got to come from the very, very beginning, right? And that is when they are onboarded. If you try and do this too late, I'm not saying it's too late, but it could be too late. They need to feel, when you hire someone, a culture of accountability from the get-go. So if you're not doing this now, you got to start this as soon as possible. And that's with an onboarding process. I can't stress to you how important a really good onboarding process is for your staff. Um, also for your clients, right? When you bring on a new client, how they get onboarded, you know, what their first session is like, what you send them in the mail afterwards, all of that stuff is really, really important. So... Um, Clarity, so, so in an onboarding process, and there's, there's a, uh, a study done, I think Harvard uh, did the study that basically when you hire a team member, they um, decide whether they want to continue working there in the, in, the, in the first 90 days. And so, you know, remember, it's not just about you, you know, wanting, getting a person to work for you. It's about them wanting to continue to work for you. And so a great onboarding process with clarity around what success looks like is, is, is huge. Okay. So the first part of clarity is, um, is, is key metrics, key metrics. Now this is going to vary based on position, right? But an example is, um, let's say you hire someone to help you with marketing and you want that person to assist you in marketing. How are you going to measure their success. Well, maybe you're going to measure the success with how many leads they have generated. Maybe if you have a salesperson, you're going to measure their success on how many calls they make or what their conversion rate is, right? And so um, you, you want to have clear um, metrics for what success looks like. Um, the, the second thing is um, what are the overarching parts of their role? What are the overarching parts of their role? Uh, and these are called uh, strategic outcomes. So what is the strategic outcomes that we're after uh, within a specific role, right? So uh, one of the strategic outcomes for a trainer could be that they show up, you know, with every session, you know, with energy, that that's like the main event of their entire job is to show up and do a wonderful, wonderful job um, you know, while they're in the session, right? A second strategic outcome could be that they do a great job following up with clients outside of session, meaning they're texting them and following up with them and you have specific responsibilities, um, for them, uh, to, to do just that. So the strategic outcomes are kind of like the overarching themes of, of the roles, the, the plan for success, uh, of the position. And then the other part of clarity is their responsibilities. What actually do they do? And um, I like to break this down into daily and weekly and monthly tasks, right? And so anytime I create a job description for somebody, which I call a KRA, which is, stands for key results area, on the KRA, it says daily, and it's a bullet-pointed list of... Um, stuff they need to do every day. And then it's weekly, bullet-pointed list of what they need to do every week. And then monthly, bullet-pointed list of what they need to do every month. And so it gives them clarity. So this KRA kind of holds the description of clarity, right? It, it gives them what 
success looks like. And if you're running your business without something like this, um, it's really hard to have a culture of accountability because they don't know what success is, right? And so it's kind of like the parent that, you know, the kid's watching TV and you've never set a standard for how much TV they can watch. I'll give you an example. In my house, our kids get 20 minutes a day of iPad time. That's the rule. And I'll tell you this, if they don't set a timer, they lose it for a week. So if I go, uh, and this happened the other day to my son, Joey, we were in the car coming back from vacation and he wanted to do his iPad time in the car and he's on his iPad. And I said, Joey, how much time you got left? Cause it was like nearing that. I, it felt like it was nearing that 20 minute mark. So I said, Joey, how much time you got left? And he looked at me and he's like, uh, he, never, he never set a timer. And I was like, sorry, bud, hand it over. And I took the iPad and I threw it down on the front seat. And I was like, see you in a week, iPad. (laughs) Right? But that's the rule. The rule is that the the clarity of success is you get 20 minutes of iPad time. If I don't have that 20 minutes of iPad time, and all of a sudden I walk through the, the, the living room and I start saying, you're on your iPad too much, Joey. Get off your iPad. You're on that thing way too much. He's like, what the hell's going on? Like, well, I was just on my iPad. Like, I I did it yesterday for longer and you didn't say anything. And now today I just got on and now you're like freaking out. No clarity. Got to have clarity of success. Now, once you have this clear view of what success looks like, the second thing you need is something called constant gentle pressure. Constant gentle pressure. And this is a term that I learned after I read a really wonderful book called Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. And um, it's, it's a really brilliant form of way to describe leadership. Uh, constant means that there's this constant reminder of from you to them of what success looks like. There's a constant reminder from me to my son, Joey. Joey, remember, you only got 20 minutes. I'm constantly reminding that. The gentle part of it is, hey, I don't usually scream and yell, right? And I don't usually have to scream, and not always, so sometimes I say, um, but I don't usually have to scream and yell because all I do is just say, all right, sorry, the rule is you you get 20 minutes. You, I saw you on it for 30. Uh, sorry, we're done here. And the consequences are there. I don't have to get mad on it. It's just a clear, gentle. And then the pressure is it's always there. Right? The pressure is it's always there. Meaning I don't do it sometimes. It's it's always there so they, they can feel you. Right? So this is a really, really great thing. And I think one of the important things to do with this constant gentle pressure is as stuff comes up, as you see a staff member do something that you feel, uh, is not up to par, um, you address it with them. And, you know, I did this, you know, years ago out of just pure wanting to be the best gym in the world. And I'll never forget this. I taught one of our trainers how to do bench press. And I, I know I taught him elbows in, touch, you know, around the sternum area and then press up. And I watched over and he was 
the kid's benching and his elbows are flared. The bar's coming to, towards his neck. It's not even touching his chest. And he was just like watching it happen. And right after the session, right away, I didn't wait to a quarterly review or anything like that. Right away, I just went and I said, gave him the pressure. I gave him the pressure. I was like, that's not how we bench press here. Right? And so once you have these clear view of success, okay, this clarity, then you need to give this constant gentle pressure, all right, to make sure that you're upholding them to what that success is. And then the last piece of it is the ability of you, right? Because really this all starts with you. A culture of accountability starts with you. You ain't going to have a culture of accountability without you. Okay? Um, Is your ability to have the tough and hard conversations. And that, that is something that I think people avoid like the plague. If you look at one of the five dysfunctions of a team uh, from Patrick Lencioni, he talks about the, one of the main dysfunctions is avoidance of accountability. It's the avoidance of these hard conversations that you need to have when you know you got a team member that's screwing up or you know you got a team member that really isn't pulling their weight. You um, need to be able to have these hard conversations. And the, and the, and the reason that uh, cultures get bad is the failure to have these conversations. And so it's hard. I know it's like, I don't like having them as much as you do. And it's awkward and you bring it up, but, um, the, the, there's a correlation between leaders that can have hard conversations and leaders that are successful. So that is really the things that are going to help you have you, uh, give you a better culture of accountability. It's clarity on success. It is this constant gentle pressure, meaning that, Hey, stuff happens, you address it, uh, immediately and don't let things, you know, fly by. Um, and then it's your ability to have difficult and hard conversations and not to have fear around those conversations. And the reality is this is like, you're, you're probably going to lose every team member you got at some point. Right. And honestly, I used to run my business thinking I can never run my business without this person. If I lost this business, if I lost this person, we would never be able to operate. We would never like, and, and I've, di- I've done it long enough to know that, okay, pretty much everybody that I've ever had work for me is now gone. Right. And obviously COVID threw a big wrench into that. I believe if COVID didn't happen, that we would still have a good nucleus of people, but it just opened up a whole new opportunity for, for some people. But after 16 years of doing it, like, are there people that are going to stay with you for 16 years knowing that, hey, as trainers, they don't make, you know, they're not making 500 grand a year where, you know, it's like, okay, this is the job. And then there are some people that are perfectly happy making, you know, training 30 hours a week and getting paid 30 bucks an hour and then doing that forever. There are people out there that are like that, right? But in the reality of you will most likely lose everyone you've got. And once you kind of have that realization, there probably will be less fear around having these hard conversations. Cause if you do have to have the hard conversations and you do end up losing somebody, um, it's okay. You'll be fine. You'll, you know, find someone else. And I'm not saying you fire your whole staff or anything like that, but 
the reality of it is um, you'll land on your feet. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, it's an unfortunate story in the beginning, I know. Um, but um, yeah, go create that culture of accountability in your business. Have a great day. Peace.